Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is a Stocks for Beginners quick tip. Essential lessons, questions answered. ETFs have become a dominant force in the investment world. But what is an ETF and how were they developed? It was due to a pioneer named Jack Bogle who started Vanguard and created the first ETFs. Daniel Reyes is Head of Investments and Head of Investment Strategy Group Asia-Pacific at Vanguard. In this quick tip, he talks about ETFs, asset allocation and why cost matters when you invest. In ETF, the underlying strategy is oftentimes, it doesn't have to be, but it's oftentimes designed to track an index so an ETF that's designed to track the ETF, the S&P 500 index, will hold a basket of securities that represents and tries to mimic the return as closely as it possibly can of the underlying index. So the underlying index, for instance, the S&P 500, the Standard & Poor's decides what actually goes into that index. They've got index criteria. And it's the fund manager's job to try and create a portfolio that replicates that as closely as they possibly can. So that's a that's a what's known as a passive ETF. Is that the case? Yes, that that's exactly right. It's it's passively trying to track the index. Is that the reason why the management costs are so low? Yes, that's a big part of why a management costs for uh, for ETFs can be so low. So when you think about that relative to an active strategy, an active strategy has to have an active strategy, even within its, even if it's in an ETF wrapper or in a fund wrapper, has to have all the resources for individuals, humans, to identify securities to pick that are going to outperform the market. That's a resource-intensive process, and ETF by comparison is less resource-intensive. Right? It still takes skill yeah, in order yeah. to execute an ETF well, mm -hmm. but the amount of resources necessary to do that aren't as great as in an active strategy. So Vanguard does have active and passive ETFs, is that correct? Yes, Yeah, we do. On the active side in the United States, um, we call them active, but there are particular products. So for instance, there are active ETFs that are designed to provide exposure to certain investment factors. So there's factors such as value factor, momentum factor, um, a liquidity factor. Those are all concepts that as an individual dives more deeply into uh, investing are great things to consider. But for someone just starting out, I wouldn't necessarily say that's the right starting point for the investment process. No, no, that's, uh, there's so many flavors of ETFs. Uh, exactly. But um, exactly. the passive is something that we would recommend as being a good starting point for um, getting into the investing journey. That's right. And, and the other thing to note about ETFs in general is that um, they can represent a broad basket of securities across different asset classes. So for instance... You have stock ETFs, you have bond ETFs. Um, some ETFs 
um, provide exposure to a basket of currencies. So there are a variety of different flavors that investors can think about if they, if they want to use an ETF to gain exposure to different asset classes. Just can we go back to asset allocation and different assets? Um, what is an yeah. asset? What, what is an asset and why, uh, why would you want to be in something apart from the stock market, for example? So the, the concept of asset allocation, we always talk about asset allocation being the central decision that an investor makes. Most of the time, investors are actually trying they're, they're worried about picking winners and losers. Several pieces of research, academic research, industry research, have actually concluded that asset allocation is the primary determinant of a return experience over time. So that means that an investor's mix of stocks, bonds, and cash is ultimately what will determine the return experience as opposed to what stocks you pick, what bonds you pick, and what cash instruments you pick. And each of those assets has a different role to play. So for instance, if an investor has a particular goal that they want to purchase a house, or they're saving for the down payment on a house in the next year or two years, investing that money in equity ETFs is likely to be much more risky because you're signing up to to capture kind of the equity, what's referred to as the equity risk premium. And that inherently comes with some market volatility relative to taking that money and investing that, for instance, in short-term bonds or investing that in cash. So you think about each of the different asset classes and the role that it plays in your portfolio. Most of the time, you know, when you think about bonds in a portfolio, we talk about bonds being there to serve as ballast to the volatility that can come with equities. So for instance, um, if someone were fully invested, 100% of their, their portfolio was in stocks, they're likely to have a more volatile experience than if they had a portfolio that was 70% in stocks and 30% in bonds. So just to summarize there, a different asset class is going to provide an exposure for your investments that um, will hopefully balance out um, between different times of, in, um, in the market when markets are up or down, for example. That's absolutely right, Phil. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. So let's talk about all the different flavors of ETFs. What are some of the, okay, we've talked about asset allocation and different asset classes. If I could throw that over to you, the different kinds of flavors and themes that are available. Yeah. The, the primary one and the way that they're different, right, is we already talked about the, the asset class exposure, but within ETFs as well too, you can have different versions. Um, so for instance, if you're just thinking about the equity, the stock market ETFs, you can have ETFs, for instance, that are broad market, like an S, like one that's designed to track the S&P 500 market, uh, S&P 500 index. You can have some sector-based ETFs. So individuals, it's not uncommon for them to go to their brokerage firm and see the technology industry ETF. Um, ETFs in international exposures so um, sometimes you'll see a broad, for instance, total all world XUS. So it means it provides you exposure to the rest of the globe, excluding the United States. Um, or you can actually see some very, very specific ones. So for instance, um, ETFs that target exposure to Japan or um, exposure to China. So there, there are a whole bunch of different flavors. And we haven't even begun to dip into 
active ETFs versus passive ETFs. There's a lot of choice out there. <laughs> there that's an amazing amount of choice when you start uh, digging into it. And it's also particular sectors and tech sectors and robotics and so many others as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It, um, the amount of product proliferation that we see in ETFs um, is astounding. They can be mm. thematic ETFs. They can be ETFs that are intended to cap- capitalize on a particular theme, mm-hmm. ETFs that provide exposure to the market. When the market goes down, the ETF goes up. Uh, those, again, are not the starting points that we would recommend, <laughs> recommend for people that are just getting into investing. But, um, but investors do have a lot of choice. What started out as Bogle's folly is now, on some measures, a couple of ETFs are the most actively traded instruments on the market. It's come a long way, hasn't it? It absolutely has. Yeah, it absolutely has. And, and I think it's, it's important to think about and, and to understand kind of the forces associated with why ETFs, I think, have become so, so prevalent. I, I think a lot of people might argue that ETFs have become so prevalent because it's unbelievably difficult for active managers to outperform over the long term. Mm-hmm. And that may be partially true. But at Vanguard, we actually think, and, and I know, you know Jack was a big disciple of, the, of this theory, is that ETFs in part have, have become so prominent because they tend to be lower cost. And the cost matters hypothesis is actually something that investors in the United States have really started to reconcile that costs matter when it comes to investing. Jack's notion of kind of like the cost matters hypothesis is um, is effectively an analog to what academics refer to as the efficient market hypothesis. The efficient market hypothesis effectively says the market represents the collective wisdom of all the investors that are participating in that market. It's hard for any one person to have better information than the collective market. So the market prices in all of that collective information. And because it's priced in all that collective information, it's really, really difficult to pick something that's going to outperform. Jack's cost matters hypothesis is actually slightly different in that he said, you actually don't need to have any sort of view about whether or not markets are efficient or inefficient. Whether markets are efficient or inefficient, everyone has to grapple with the idea that investors as as a group must fall short of the market return by the amount of costs that they incur. And it's led him to him and Vanguard to focus relentlessly on costs, whether they be expense ratios, brokerage fees, transaction costs. Jack often used to say that, um, that investing is unique. Um, unlike other things that you, that you buy, such as cars, where you assume that there's a price quality relationship, you know, think of any time that you've heard someone say, you get what you pay for. And Jack would say, investing is different. And he used to say, as a matter of fact, it's the exact opposite. You get what you don't pay for when it comes to investing. If you found this podcast helpful, please tell a friend, especially if it's someone who needs to start thinking about investing for their future. You'll be helping them and helping me to keep this show on the road. Stocks for Beginners is for information and educational purposes only. It isn't financial advice and you shouldn't buy or sell any investments based on what you've heard here. Any opinion or commentary is the view of the speaker only, not Stocks for Beginners. This podcast doesn't replace professional advice regarding your personal financial needs, circumstances or current situation. And thank you for listening to my podcast.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.